podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. There's been a bit of an extended break between these episodes, obviously, with plenty of players away on international duty and one Sadio Mane and Mo Salah engaging in battle last night in the culmination of the AFCON tournament. Sadio Mane, of course, will be returning to Anfield overjoyed as as an AFCON champion, uh, Senegal's AFCON champions for the very first time in their history, and they'll be one uh, very upset, very driven Mo Salah returning to Anfield this week, you imagine, as well. So on this week's episode, what we're going to be doing is focusing in on uh, the upcoming game this Thursday against Leicester City. And I'm welcoming back Jordan Blackwell uh, from Leicester City Live uh, to really give us an insight into how Leicester's season has gone to date. And it's been a challenging season so far, I think, for Brendan Rodgers' side. Uh, and, and we'll get into all the details as to why that is. Welcome back, Jordan. Thanks very much, Harry. No, it's good to have you. Good to have you back again. Uh, it's been a while since, since we had a, a chance to speak, actually. And um, the way in which that Leicester fixture came round, actually, around the Christmas period, was so hectic. Uh, I think around that period, that I, I was barely, barely aware, actually, of some of those games that were going on because it was it, it was it was so thick and fast. And then there were all those postponements as well as I know Leicester um, yeah. are well aware of. But because um, I didn't get a chance to speak to you actually earlier in the season, I just wanted to ask you if we if we rewind back to the start of the season. Just what your um, your expectations were for this Leicester side this season before a ball was kicked, based upon you know some of the progress over the past few seasons um, and the successful end to the uh, season as well. Yeah, I think the the expectation was kind of where it was exactly a year before, in that they'd finished just outside the Champions League places, and it felt with with a little bit more experience to the team that they might actually then be able to make that jump and, hmm. and get to the Champions League places. Obviously they, they finished fifth two seasons ago where they they really did have a kind of crumble in the second half of the season. They finished fifth last season where I think the narrative around it was one of the same that they kind of collapsed in the second half of the season. Actually the record in the second half of the season wasn't too bad. It was probably kind of I think they were probably the, the sixth or seventh best team in the second half of the season, which is, which you know, is still pretty good for Leicester. I think really what happened was Liverpool went on such a good run. Uh, was it 12 games unbeaten, I think, maybe winning yeah. 10 or 11 of them um, in the, at the end of the season that they, they caught Leicester up. I, I think you have to give credit to Liverpool there. I, I think the, the narrative that Leicester threw it away kind of downplays how good Liverpool were over the final, you know, couple of months of the season. Um, but it felt like, you know, with another year experience, they, they had a rare summer, uh, in the summer just gone where they didn't sell any of their big players. It's something we've seen Leicester do a lot, uh, over recent years. And they've tended, they've 
tended to to do really well out of that because they've got big fees for players. They've invested it really well. Mm-hmm. They've managed to avoid doing that this summer, so they kept all the big players. There was rumours around Madison and Tielemans in particular, but they they kept hold of them. Um, and I think that was the expectation that they would go on and uh, and and challenge. I think the challenge for the top four, um, you know, and equally in the Europa League as well. They, they were, that was where the disappointment was last season. They got knocked out in the last 32. So I think there was an expectation that they could go far in that. They were one of the pre-tournament favourites to, to win it. So um, And Jordan, just on what you're mentioning there around, um, you know, obviously the, the fact that they actually kept some of those um, uh, players that they had, had built up. Built up a pretty sort of solid consistency in the side, you know, names the likes of Madison, names like uh, the likes of Tielemans. Um, I think lots of people think when you, when you keep your squad intact like that, then it's, it's going to be a little bit easier for there to be maybe a bit more consistency in the side as well. Um, but one of the questions I wanted to ask around, around Leicester as well was, did you feel that, you know, the decision not to sell any of those players, did, did you think that there was still areas of the squad that need, needed to be sort of addressed in the summer that weren't? Or were you happy with the, the business that, uh, that came in as well? No, I was, I mean, I thought the business was good. I think the, obviously, if, if Leicester don't sell a player and they don't get a big fee for a player, they can't spend quite to the same degree, mm-hmm. um, that they did. So they made five signings in the summer, but one of those was a loan for Luckman. Um, one of those was a free transfer for Bertrand. So, and I think then they had, uh, Samare and Dakar with a big two at the start of the window where they were very clearly players that had been identified through Leicester's kind of renowned recruitment system where they, you know, that there were players that there were rumors about them, you know, plenty of months before they were clearly lining them up for the summer. Of course. Um, and, you know, they managed to get those through the door. I think the fact that Daka came in, there was a, another striker coming in, kind of got this succession plan now for, for when Vardy can't quite do it anymore. I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto it. The fact that he's, I mean, he's 34 and still the, actually 35 now and still the third top scorer in the league. So I don't think he's, I don't think his game's up anytime soon, but they've got that in place now for periods like, like the current period where he is injured. They've got another guy that's, that plays in a similar way. So that seemed a very good signing. The signing of Vestergaard was, it's someone that Leicester had been interested in before. Um, but it wasn't actually money they were intending to, intending to spend. Um, in in the summer because then they only end up spending it because Wesley Fofana uh, broke his leg uh, in the final pre-season game. I'm sure uh, some of your listeners may have um, seen that tackle. It was a really horrible tackle. And it was yes. a very nasty leg break. Um, you know, he'd been such a key part of the season before. Um, and I think, you know, six months on from that, it, you know, as we record this, is actually six months to the day that he, that he, he broke his leg. Um, I think if you would have, if you were to pick the key moment from Leicester's season, you would say that was it. You would say it was, you know, the the, the sort of the star centre back breaking his leg in the final pre-season friendly, um, which gives you a little bit. Just saying that in itself, that gives you a little bit of an idea of how the season has gone. No, of course, yeah, and no, I think it's um, you'd have to you'd have to speak to Liverpool fans at it. I don't think actually at the, at the moment, uh, given some of the recent scars around, um, yeah, season ending defensive injuries. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, 
had the full the full catalogue last year, which wasn't 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 too fun. But of course, Fafana had made such a huge impact in the side for somebody so young um, that yeah, it makes perfect sense that that was such a big loss. And I was struck by one of we'll get onto this season, but I, I was I was struck by one of um. Uh, these recent qu- quotes from Rogers that I think has has clearly got a lot of attention and probably divided fans as well a little bit in terms of how they interpret it. But he, he'd recently said, um, I think it was about a week or so ago, with success what happens is that you have two fifth-place finishes and then you qualify for European football and people think that you've created a foundation for success. But for a club like ourselves, it may be the pinnacle. And I think something like that is always going to, it's going to wind some supporters up. Some Some other supporters are going to be more you know, um, more accepting of it, more sort of realistic about what perhaps he might mean by it. But j- just to ask your opinion before we actually get on to how things have unwinded this season, um, what did you make about um, about that quote and what you thought Rogers meant about it? Because I, I saw some people speculating that it was him hinting that you know maybe he'd taken Leicester as far as they'd gone, um, as far as he could, or it was actually just him being realistic about you know the number of players who were out through injury or returning, um, and the fact that you know there's a number of sides in the league who are still spending quite a lot of money. Yeah, I think the I think the big thing was it, for me it, a lot of what he said was true and it rang true and it felt like it was grounded. Yes, it was grounded in realism, but it wasn't a needlessly uh, negative yeah. um, comment. What I would say is that as far as fans go, I I think it's just. It's the sort of thing you keep to yourself and you, yeah. it's the sort of thing that you yeah. don't vocalise. Yes, that may be his opinion, but I don't think in terms of... I know I'm, I'm saying this as a, as a journalist. I actually do want him to say it because it's a good story. Um, but, you know, if, if Leicester fans are... For Leicester fans, it doesn't get them on side what you think they want to hear about the club being ambitious. Uh, and that's what they've come to expect because, it, you know, really for every season for the past 10 years they've you know they've they've had ambitions to go further and they've met them um and this is really this you know the season where they haven't managed to do that um Mm. so yeah i that was that was my opinion on it but i do think it was right i think particularly the um the the thing about finishing fifth two seasons in a row and it and people expecting it to be a uh yeah a foundation for success Really, the the foundation for success is wealth. Um, and finishing fifth in the Premier League, yes, you get a little bit extra money, uh, depending on how high you, I think it's an extra two million for each place you finish up the league. Um, so actually not, not a great deal of difference between each spot. Obviously playing in Europe, you get a little bit of extra money with that. But if you think of things like, because they're not a huge name, um, still globally, Look, if you look at things like commercial revenue, um, that's where they pale in comparison to the to the other teams. So yes, they can, you know, the the money they gain from competitions and you know winning the FA Cup and competing in Europe, that might be a decent amount compared to the you know only a little bit below what the the likes of the the very top teams are getting. But then you look at their their other revenue stream, so you commercial revenue. Manchester United are top of the list. Theirs is ten times higher yeah. than what than what Leicester's is. Um, and it makes a it makes a huge because Leicester aren't a big name really in the grand scheme of things. They're not a big name, um, and that's it's kind of that side of things that they need to develop 
so that they can get onto the same standing mm. as those other clubs. But how long does it take to to make a famous a club that famous? Well, you know, you're probably looking at sustained success for twenty or thirty years, I would say. Yeah, no, of course, even even with the fairy tale season, I, I, yeah, I think it's perfectly reasonable what you're saying there around sort of the 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 size of the club. Yeah, so I I, th- I think then just moving it away from um, sort of discussing sort of the you know, the club's challenges off the pitch and you know sort of the the need to grow commercially, sort of the reputation of the club globally as well in comparison with some of the, the those other more I suppose traditional top six clubs. Um, if we were to focus purely on the pitch um, and sort of the things that you can control and the things that are in, within Brendan uh, Rodgers' control. I suppose one of the questions I had as well was around expectations. Um, at the end of last season, despite some of the disappointments of you know, not finishing in the, in, in the Champions League places, did you get the impression that this side was developing um, from a tactical perspective, developing as a, as a footballing unit um, under Rodgers over the past couple of seasons, you know, given those... those consistent finishes Um, and then I suppose the question is where has that faltered this season in your in your opinion in terms of that that development because you mentioned there as well that you know a couple of these players who are very consistent figures in the lineup you'd imagine by retaining them that you yeah you'd only double down on that consistency of performance but um it doesn't seem to have happened yeah, I think that from a tactical point of view obviously the the kind of the task for Rogers coming into the job was um, to kind of continue to steer Leicester away from the the counter-attacking style that they yeah. won the Premier League with and that they were kind of renowned for. And of club well did the started that job and was kind of the fall guy for that because you know there were obviously teething problems when he tried to do it. Rogers has kind of taken it on from there, and they have improved. Um, and they do every now and again they do produce some really good performances where they're in complete control. Mm. Um, of the game. I think the reason it's not quite worked uh, this season, I, I mean, I think if I think if I knew, knew the the actual answer, I think Rogers would be giving me a call and asking me what it is because, you know, they've kind of been stuck in the same position for six months and they've not, doesn't really feel like they've worked it out. I, I think possibly you could say that because the defence has been so shoddy and um, you know, lacking in composure, partly because of the injuries to the defence. You know, we've mentioned Fafana, but Evans has missed good swathes of the season. They've had they've only just got James Justin back. Uh, Ricardo Pereira and Timothy Castagna, the other top fullbacks, have been um, sort of in and out with uh, with injuries. Uh, Charles Oyunchu has been pretty consistent, but he's in terms of fitness, but because he's not been playing with Evans or Fafana, he's, he's lacked a little bit of confidence. I think because there's possibly not so much confidence in the defence from the forward players, they've perhaps been lacking a little, uh, a, a, perhaps been lacking a willingness to to try things. I think first, certainly the first couple of months of the season, Leicester's play was really boring, and it was they were kind of knocking it around and playing it safe all of the time, I mean, not trying things. And I think it was because they were so scared of giving the ball away. And potentially being countered against a really shaky defence, right? They really didn't. They really didn't want to do that. They, they have improved in that aspect. Really, really, the first couple of months of the season, up to the October international break, they were really, really poor. Uh, they managed to scrape a few results, and so it wasn't really shown in the table. But I think 
really they were probably one of the worst three teams in the league and could have been in the relegation zone. They have been they have picked up since and they've a lot of their performances have been good. I think the performance straight after the international break, they beat Manchester United 4-2. They were really, really good in that game. Uh, and it felt like they'd found a solution, but they've still wobbled a little bit since. And the defence hasn't really improved all that much. So actually, the, now the attack, really, really good. They're playing some excellent football. There's lots of players in, in top form, particularly James Madison, really playing in the best the best of his career. But the defence is still... Uh, it's, it's just not it's just not a good not a well performing defense i think certainly in goals conceded i think they're kind of the same as the kind of the bottom six teams and it's really only their attack that is ensuring that they're in the top half at the minute yeah and so in terms of games that you think sort of encapsulates how the season has gone so far you mentioned that sort of strong performance obviously against united the 4-2 win uh, in terms of some of those issues that you were you, you were discussing there, are there certain games that you can pinpoint and go, yeah, that really encapsulates some of the struggles Leicester have been having this season? That's a good question. I think the 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 second game of the season they lost four one away at um, West Ham, West yeah. Ham, and it felt like they were shooting themselves in the foot at every opportunity. Um, so I think that was. That was one. It was kind of that was Soyuncu sort of being tasked with leading the defence and not able to do it. Um, and I think that was a, a particular um, issue. Um, I think the obvious set pieces has been a big issue this season as well. Um, so I think the the one that stands out from that point of view is uh, the defeat away Aston Villa. They lost two one, and Esri Konsa scored. Um, both goals for Villa from from set pieces. Um, so uh, yes, I think those two probably stand out. I think the the defensive struggles have not really stood out so much um, over the past few months because they because the defense because the because the attack has been has been good enough. Um, I mean, the, it's, it's funny because the, the game they played against Liverpool in the in the league that stands out as a game that didn't go how all the other games in the season have gone. The the cup game between Leicester and Liverpool, the <laughs> the three yeah. three, um, that that was that was for this season that was a typical Leicester City game. The one nil, <clears throat> the one nil in the Premier League uh, was not. Um, so that's if. You know, if your listeners can imagine that the the three three Carabao Cup fixture happening pretty much every week, that's kind of what it's been like following Leicester City this season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Some some entertaining fixtures for the new, yes, neutral, definitely. but yeah, absolutely not not what you want. Um, yeah. You, you you don't want to keep being involved in classics, which is that's definitely been something that. Uh, Liverpool fans have been saying this season, to, to be honest, that you, you, we're involved in far too many classics to ever be challenging for for this league. You, know, you, you want to be involved in really dull, depressing one nil, two nil wins. That's how, that's yeah, how you, I think, you know. A, a, you know, a four three thriller is great every now and again if yeah, you're winning, yeah. but really, it's not. It's not a sustainable. Um, no, it's not a sustainable way to go through a season. You mm. need to be able to keep clean sheets or at least keep the opposition to one. Um, which has been a real struggle for Leicester this season. And so we're obviously speaking around sort of the 
um, the the money that was spent and the the signings that came in in terms of Pat Sandaka, um, Samare Vestergaard, uh, Bertrand and Lookman on loan, um, well, actually Lookman on loan, but Bertrand a free transfer rather. Um, just wanted to ask you briefly how you feel those players have done so far um, in their Leicester careers. Um, some sort of bought with more long-term uh, plans in mind, some more experience in terms of Vestergaard and, and, and Bertrand, for example. Um, and then also just tying it into, um, despite some of these defensive struggles, despite the fact that there were players missing, um, it got to the stage where you know, Rodgers was playing Hamza Chowdhury in defence, um, I think I think against Spurs was the case, wasn't it? Um, that, that in the end, nobody came in in January. So I just wanted to ask you, yeah, I suppose it's twofold there. One, how the summer signings have done so far, who's done best in terms of integrating, I suppose, and then also um, whether or not you were surprised that the, the club kept their powder dry in January. On the summer signings, I think if you were to assess them as a group, you'd probably say it's Leicester's least successful set of summer signings. Um, Certainly in a few years, I think the the year before they had Castagna and Fafana, so that was very good. The year before that they had uh, Tielemans and Justin, so that was very good. They had Pratt as well, who's a, a decent player that just couldn't fit in. Perez, not so great. Um, some before that, they had a terrific summer where they bought, they signed Ricardo, Madison, Johnny Evans, Soyuncu, uh, Danny Ward, they bought from Liverpool, who's been a, a very good backup goalkeeper. Um, so I, I think, yes, overall, it's not been too good. I think Dakar has been extremely good. He's not played um, a great deal, but this little period of the past month or so um, where Vardy's been injured, obviously we've seen Ian Acho has, has been at the Africa Cup of Nations as well. I think Dakar's now scored in his last three starts. I think if you look at his um, goal and assists, ratio per 90 minutes I want to say he's getting a goal or an assist every 81 minutes or something like that I think that was the last time I checked so when he's playing he's having a a huge impact Um, he seems to have settled in really well his his pace is um, you know obviously a a big factor but he just seems to he seems to have that goal scorer's knack he seems to know where to be I mean if you if you looked at his I think he's got nine goals in all competitions now Um, none of them are going to win goal of the month they are, they're all really either he's played through one-on-one or it's a rebound and it's a little bit scrappy but that's a goal scorer's job and he's very very good at it so he's been very good um Adam Ola Lookman I've been really impressed with and I think Leicester will look to well certainly this is what Roger said he said they will consider some deal for him um I think very very good close control dribbles forward with it which is what Leicester need they need somebody who's not just going to pass it forward they need somebody who can actually carry it forward um you know, good eye for a pass as well. Uh, scored a few goals. So he's been very good press as well, which is important if you're playing for a Rogers team. Um, Samare, I think there's kind of a, with Samare, I think you there's an acceptance that he's not going to hit it off straight away because I think maybe playing in as a midfielder in France is, diff, is different to playing as a midfielder in the Premier League. Um, there have been a few games, particularly Spartak Moscow away, um, where he looked really strong and he he was getting the ball and he was driving out of midfield and I think that's what Leicester wanted from him. I think Rodgers has spoken about wanting to turn him into a box-to-box midfielder, whereas he's sort of generally in his career, certainly at Lille, he was always kind of the deep deep line midfielder. Um, so yeah, but he's sometimes he's looked a little bit 
slow, not he's not past it quickly enough, he's held on to it for too long. He's very good at holding on to the ball and doesn't he's kind of fairly press resistant, I would say, but he doesn't he doesn't move it quickly enough at times. And I think he's he doesn't track men well enough at times. So a few things for him to learn. Uh, Bertrand, we've not seen a lot of. He he caught COVID around the start of the season and really hasn't recovered from that. He was played in the, in the first couple of months when Leicester weren't playing so well, but has not really played since. Luke Thomas has been playing at left back and has done a really good job. And now Bertrand's out with a, a knee injury. Uh, he's just had knee surgery. And Vestergaard has been, I think if you were to ask Leicester fans, I think you would say, um, I think they would say he's possibly been one of Leicester's worst ever signings, um, even only six months into his career. I think people might say that. They, I feel a little bit sorry for him because it's he just doesn't seem to fit the way that Rogers wants to play. Rogers likes to play with his defence in a high line. Right. Um, yeah. They've got to press uh, attackers. They've got to then if the ball goes over the top, they've got to spin and run in behind. He doesn't have the his attributes aren't suited to that. He doesn't have the agility and the speed to do that. Um, the game, the, his, his first start, the, he played against Manchester City at home in September, and Leicester kind of change, normally change the way they play when they play against Manchester City, and they kind of sit deep um, and really just defend the box. He was Leicester's man of the match in that game. He was when he when he doesn't have to do much movement and he could kind of read crosses and get clearances that way. Um, actually, a little maybe a little bit similar. He came on. Um, for the final sort of 20 minutes, half an hour for the, the Liverpool Cup game. Um, because Leicester were defending a lead at that point, that was kind of a little bit similar. He was just expected to defend uh, defend the box, win the headers and things like that. And actually, when he has to read the game like that, he is pretty good. But he's just not suited at all um, to to how Rogers plays. I don't think he's at, I don't think he's won any of the games that he started in. Vestigard. Maybe the the Watford Cup FA Cup game last month. But other than that, I think he's he's not won any of the games that he started. Um so yeah, so really that's kind of a summary. So some some very good signings and some very poor ones. Mm. Um in terms of January, I think the the need became less critical when Ghana got knocked out of the Africa Cup of Nations <laughs> uh, and Amate came back a lot earlier than they were expecting him to, so he was able to play. Um mm. In the Brighton game, obviously Leicester had a couple of games. Well, they had three games postponed in January um, overall. Mm. Um, so th- they sort of managed to get away with it a little bit. I think there was a, a again a, a little bit of a feeling of of not having the money there. Kind of the money that they'd they kind of used up their rainy day fund on Vestergaard, which was money that they hadn't wanted to spend last summer, but they felt they had to after Pavana got injured. Um, they then didn't have that there uh, to buy a player this month, and I think they were uh, sorry in January, and I think they were looking at. Um, I think they pretty much admitted that was a well. I think Rogers' team selection has admitted that Vestergaard was a, a a poor signing because I think when Ndidi is there, Ndidi has played in defence ahead of Vestergaard, so he's he's choosing to put a defensive midfielder ahead of a centre back. Um, which I think is kind of an admission that that Vestergaard was a poor signing. So I think if you add all if you add all those things up, I think they were really keen to get a player with the right profile and not panic buy again or not even you know not 
get a loan player in because you know loans you still have to pay a bit of, little bit of money you might have to pay a loan fee you might have to pay a portion of the wages um they really considered it this time um and basically they couldn't find anyone that they could both afford and could fit the profile the where they would actually make an impact in the team mm. um thankfully they've got away with it because as i said they didn't have too many games they've got amate back they've got indeedy back and they can play at center back if they want to particularly because they've got quite a lot of midfielders who can sit in front of the defence. Uh, Fafana is due back in training this month. Uh, Excellent. So, uh, with all that, Johnny Evans still a little bit further away. Um, I think he's probably... I don't know if he's Leicester's best defender. I think you would have to say that's Fafana, but I think in terms of the, the organisation and, and that kind of thing and, and leading the defence, he is Leicester's best defender. So that's... To, they won't be perfect when Fafana comes back. I think Fafana and Evans is the is the partnership they want. So, um, but a, certainly it's a boost to get Fafana back and still have Amate, who's done pretty well this season. Indeed, he's done uh, okay there. Apart from he seems to give away a lot of penalties uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the uh, the Liverpool game. Um, but yeah, so they've they've got enough options to get by. As I said, they were putting Hamza Chowdhury there, and then Rogers was coming out and saying. I want, you know, I'm trying to turn him into Mascherano. Um, I see, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it is With the greatest of respect. <laughs> yeah, he's not on the same level. Yeah. Um, but, you know, actually, the game he did play, he, uh, he played in a back, uh, in the middle of a back four um, in the Watford Cup game. He did a really good job. In the Spurs game, he kind of played on the, the right of a back three. Yes, um, yeah. And he, he still did okay. He's, he's got speed and he's got a little bit of defensive awareness. And I, I always think with, with Chowdhury, he's... He's a defensive midfielder, but he's he's not a he's not one he's not one that you want to shield the back four because that kind of I don't think he's got I've never felt he's had the discipline to kind of sit in front of the defence. Really, what you want to do is kind of say go and chase the opposition, Hamza. Yeah, that's really good. At. He's really aggressive. He's really quick. We'll get a foot in. He's I think um, he's made some terrific tackles over his. Career, the, I think the standout one is still, I think, was on Mane, I think, in the, the game against Liverpool, the end of January, I want to say, mm. 19, maybe it was 1 1, uh, when Maguire scored for Leicester. Um, but then I know there was the tackle on Salah. I was going to about in the, the following year, um, yeah. which uh, which obviously didn't go down well. And he has had a few of those over his career. That I think he he was playing for England under twenty ones, and he broke um, he broke somebody's ankle. A France player, possibly Jonathan Akone. Um, I was going to mention. Yeah, I think I, I I am aware of some listeners to the podcast who have their own particular opinions uh, when it when it comes to Hamza Chowdhury and his. Uh, and his tackling technique, but no, I, I, I completely agree with what you were saying there around there are some midfielders, even if they're more defensively minded, that, that strike you as more sort of combative defensive midfielders rather than those who are just happy to sit and mop up things. Um, and often with defensive midfielders as well, I, I, I always fear when they move back into defence that a lot of it, a lot of the nous that you, you may need in that position c- could be there if the positional awareness is good and Discipline is good, but it's, 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 I'm always worried about the tackling and, and, and sort of what you can get away with in midfield yes. as opposed to what you can get away with in the penalty area. So I think what you were saying with with Indeedy there is, is probably exactly, yeah. it's, it's probably fair enough. And it's, it's, it's a funny thing that you mentioned around uh, Amate as well because yeah, I've, I've got some I've got some Ghanaian relatives, and uh, 
his early departure uh, and, and Ghana's early departure from from Afcon was not viewed uh, fondly. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, some of the, the messages that were being exchanged over WhatsApp were yeah, particularly critical <laughs> of uh, of the Ghana coaching setup. But um, yeah, I think it was it, it was certainly welcomed by all the all the teams in the Premier League of whom those players came back early. Um, one thing I did want to talk about is you mentioned that the attacker uh, the attack in plenty of occasions this season has sort of helped the defence and the defence may not be functioning that well but the attack has been functioning very well at points and that's really helped us to get out of some tricky situations. I wanted to talk about some players who you think have excelled this season and you you mentioned Daka and some of the the finishes that he's put in that sort of really indicate what kind of striker he is but you mentioned Vardy as well and and where Jamie Vardy still currently is in the goal scoring charts, uh, you, you said it was James Madison's strongest season. You felt uh, for for the club. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, how you feel Harvey Barnes has kicked on or hasn't kicked on, um, and also the emergence of of, of uh, Jewsbury Hall. So there's a lot there, but yeah, in terms of players that you think have had a a strong showing so far. Yeah, I think if uh, I think you probably have to pick Madison out. Um, as the one who's had the strongest uh, season so far, but really you you're kind of dividing his season so far into two bits, which the the period from if you look at August and September, he was he was really poor. Um, he was it just nothing seemed to be working for him, and it didn't. Um, you know, you had a lot of Leicester fans going, we should have we should have taken Arsenal's money, we should have sold him and bought somebody else. Um, I think you just he had the he was playing he had such good form at the the start of 2021 uh january february time actually similar with barnes who we'll, i'll get on to in a second um but kind of madison there leicester had madison barnes and justin all playing really really well at the start of 2021 all getting england talk it looked like all three were going to be in the england squad in march all three ended up getting injured in february um the Madison was the first one back and he came back in um, April. Um, but then for the rest of the season, uh, just didn't make an impact. He, he seemed to be, didn't seem to have his fitness there. Um, I think even like, so when it came around to the, um, like the FA Cup final, he wasn't even starting. He was on the bench. Um, you know, that's how poor his form was. Uh, he started the. I think there was Rogers had made comments about wanting him to focus on his own form. Uh, sorry, focus on his fitness over the summer so that he could then, um, you know, start the season in a in a better place than he, he finished the previous one. That didn't really happen. First couple of months, he d- didn't play very well. Rogers ended up dropping him. Um, then they had this kind of, and Madison has spoken about it, and actually he's, he's very, I'm sure people will have seen post-match interviews with him, he's a very honest player, um, mm-hmm. wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, and he said since, I don't think he said it at the time, but I think now he's a little bit more confident about his form, he's, he's since said that actually kind of end of September he went to speak to uh, Rogers just to say he wasn't, feeling right about his own performances and you know he felt like kind of you know he lost his ability clearly he hadn't um but you know because he's he's in his early mid-20s so you're not going to lose your ability at, at that age uh, it's not going to disappear overnight so what they did was they 
Rogers, Madison, and one of the analysts, um, you know, sat down. They looked at his previous performances, what he'd done well, uh, where he'd uh, been influential. And actually, really, since that point, so kind of when they got back after the October international break, um, he's been really, really good and he's been really influential. And he's, um, I think he got uh, his first, he set up a goal for Dakar um, in um, the Spartak Moscow game in October. That was his first goal or assist since February. So a long, long time. I think I think in terms of the number of games he's played, it maybe. 15 or 16 or something like that. Um, and since then, it's kind of, it's particularly over since late November, it's felt like he's either, he's, you know, he's got goals and assists in every single game. Um, he's, uh, but he's, and he's not just limiting it to one as well. There's been so many games where he's got two goals or he's got a goal and assist, um, a goal and two assists, things like that. And it just feels like he's, you know, he's in that really, really, he's in a really, really good space. Um, he's influential in every game. He is uh, he's making the right passes. He's making the right runs into the box, to, which was something he has developed under Rogers. That kind of he, he, before he was very much a I'll hang around the edge of the area and I'll shoot from 25 yards. Uh, now he's getting beyond the strike and he's getting into the box and scoring goals that way. He's picking up uh, loose balls and things like that. Um, so he's been he's been extremely good. And I, like I do a little bit of a. Uh, uh, after when I do, I rate the players after each game. Uh, but I, then we have a little kind of sliding scale where fans get to rate their rate the players themselves out of ten. And then what I, I do at the end of the month, I kind of take the top four um, and sort of do a poll and say who played, who was your Leicester City Player of the Month. Now Madison won in November, he won in December, and he's about to win in January as well. So he's been Leicester's best player for the past three months. So he, you know he's he's been very very good. So he's the standout one. Um, I won't go too much into to Dakar because I mentioned him, but yeah, Vardy keeps changing his game to, um, you know, to so that even though at 35 he can still make an impact, he's just his, his movement in the box is extremely good. His his game intelligence is an underrated aspect of his game. He knows where to be uh, to score goals. He still has enough pace to, to for it to be effective. Um, so he's been very, very good. So it's a bit of a shame that he's he's ass injured at the moment. He's due back uh, in March. I think Ian Atcher, when he's played, has been very, very good. It's just that he's probably not got enough pace to to really start all that regularly for Rogers. But when he does start, he makes an impact. Again, he's another player with an eye for a pass. Um, he's he's his uh, scoring ability has been very good as well. So uh, yeah, that, those they've been the ones. They come to Harvey Barnes. I know there's been Liverpool talk around him, um, but it's. And I think he's admitted this as well. And it's not really happened for him this season. Yeah. Um, That's probably quash now as well, isn't it? With obviously the arrival of um, Luis Diaz. Well, yes, actually, yes, that's a good point. Yes, um, the. But yeah, he's just. Uh, it doesn't seem to have. Um, he doesn't seem to have picked up where he left off, which I think was, I think he, he said, I think he was expecting it to. I think he, he got injured. He was in that terrific form, best form of his career, um, January, February last year. Got the knee injury, uh, ended up having two operations on the knee. That ruled him out for the rest of the season. Yeah. He was fit for the start of this season. Um, he was able to play a little bit in pre-season as well. So he was able to, you know, get some minutes. 
Um, it just doesn't. It's just not quite as threatening. I think there were games Leicester were playing where it was like, okay, let's give Harvey Barnes the ball because he's going to get the ball and he's just going to run with it. He's so direct. Um, every time he receives the ball, his first touch is, how can I beat my man? Um, I think I always compare him to Damari Gray because I think he always obviously they were kind of similar ages and they were they were both sort of at Leicester at the same time. Yeah. It always felt like, I mean, Gray's done terrifically at Everton and he, he does seem to have picked it up a notch. I was going to ask you actually, yeah, has it surprised you how actually since since Gray's joined Everton, there's been a directness to his game that I've, that I've not seen for years and, 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 you, and you would have watched much more of him than I would. Yeah, I think it was it was very odd, and I it used to be so frustrating with Gray because it, it was clearly he had he clearly had talent, but quite often what he would do is he seemed to want to slow the ball down and wait till he's facing his man one on one, and then try to beat him with a step over. Whereas Barnes wasn't bothered about any of that. It's just as soon as he got the ball, I'm going to kick it and go. Um, and it felt like you know Gray was talented enough to do that, and then if you know. If then somebody closed him down on the way, then he could quickly do a step over and beat him. Um, I think, I think really, and Gray probably needed to leave Leicester to kind of reframe his career. Um, obviously, it didn't work out at Leverkusen, but he's gone to Everton and he's he's, he's putting his talent to good use. So, you know, I'm, I am really pleased for him because he certainly, as speaking as a journalist, we, quite often we would, when mix zones were a thing, and we got to speak to. Um, players in non-COVID times and you know they would always you know walk past Damari was one of those that always stopped um and even though he knew the conversation was never going to be that positive because it was always going to be about how are you feeling being out of the team being on the bench not having many chances to to make an impact they were always that was always kind of the gist of the conversation but he's he was always uh willing to stop and chat so I am pleased um that he's that he's doing well at Everton but yeah Barnes he doesn't seem to have that um Maybe it's a little bit of confidence. He doesn't seem to have that where he's just picking the ball up and, and running with it. Um, maybe there's a little bit of a case that he, because he's become more well-known, defenders are a little bit more wary about him. Um, maybe defending him a little bit more differently. But I think he's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, um, that's the thing. I mean, he's played 23 games and he's got five goals and five assists, which is not too bad. You know, ten you know, combined 10 goals and assists. 23 games, just short of one and two. Um, that's that's an all right record. It just doesn't feel his general game. It doesn't feel like he's so he's quite so threatening as he was, um, you know, sort of the start of last year when he when him and Madison were competing to be Leicester's best player. So um, yeah, I think his, his, his season's been broken broken up as well. With I think he's had COVID twice, um, so. I think he missed the. He may have missed both of the recent games against Liverpool, actually, um, with that. So, um, yeah, I think that's not that's not helped. Uh, but yes, still a very very talented player, um, and it, more than possible that he could make uh, the England squad for the World Cup at the end of the year. Yeah, of course, yeah, and I suppose it's a, it's an interesting time to speak to you then in terms of sort of fans thinking around. Uh, really, how the season is going to go? Um, of course, players are are returning. Some from particularly long layoffs. So I think it's it's unfair to necessarily expect them to come back, for example, and then hit the ground running and things like that. Um, and there are some players that you mentioned who, like Barnes, who you know, 
fighting with their own confidence a little bit to, to, to try and get back to their best form. So where do you think fans' expectations are? Where are your expectations as someone who's covering Leicester as well around what this um, remaining uh, um, section of the season will hold for Leicester and sort of the expectations of where they can finish? Currently sitting you know, 10th um, on 26 points. Um, do you think it's a case of trying to finish um, as close to where they did last season and that they're... Um, that's that's a possibility, or do you look at the teams above Leicester at the moment and think oh, that there's a number of teams there playing fairly well on a consistent basis, or those who have just recently reinforced, for example, and you look at the likes of Tottenham, um, Arsenal haven't. Uh, yeah, where do you where do you see, or, or how do you see the remainder of the season panning out then? I think you know, now that they've got a few players back, um, and the fact that they, they'll get even more players back, I, th- I think. They should certainly, they should, there will certainly be expectations that they can, they can do a little bit better than they have been doing. Um, I think, but I, d- I don't see them challenging for the top four. I think they would need a really, really good run of results to get themselves uh, into consideration for that. I think they would need, um, you know, probably 40 more points from 18 games. So you're looking at, thir- you know, 13, 13 wins. From 18 games, I can't see that happening. Um, so I think the, I think maybe finishing, uh, I think maybe finishing seventh is is the aim. Uh, I would say because at least with seventh, you, there is you get European footballers well. Depending on who wins the FA Cup, um, seventh could be a reward for European uh, with the, with European football. Um, I think that in terms of the fans, I think a lot of fans have kind of written off the the league season, uh, and they want to see them go for the FA Cup again. Uh, obviously, Leicester won it first time in their history last season, um, but it was kind of fans didn't get to go to any of the games leading up to the final, and then only uh, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but it wasn't. Uh, it was a few thousand that got to go to the final rather than Leicester being able to pack out their half of Wembley. Um, so if they were to you know, get to that again, they could probably celebrate where they weren't able to um, last season. Uh, I think the I think the Conference League, although it's kind of a competition that nobody really knows about in terms of its standing and its reputation because it's brand new, Yes, it is a UEFA competition, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a third tier competition. Um, nobody really knows whether it's, if that will be seen as an achievement if they were to go on and win it. But actually, Leicester fans really want them to, to win it. Um, you know, they are, with the quality they have in the squad, they, sh- they should be able to, they should certainly be able to get to the, uh, to the semi-finals. They probably are one of the best four teams left in it. You've got the likes of uh, Roma, um, and Marseille and Rennes, I think, are probably the others that um, PSV maybe that people are expecting to to go far in it. But um, I think that's that's where Leicester can can look to be successful because I think there's a you know they're, they're now a team that wins trophies for a long long time for nearly all of their history. They were a team that didn't win trophies. Okay, they occasionally won the second division. Um, obviously now the championship or whatever it was, you know, it's had multiple names, but um, but it wasn't a it wasn't a proper trophy. 
they won the League Cup a couple of times uh, in 97 and 2000. Um, now, they've I mean, last six years, they've won the Premier League and the FA Cup. Um, and I think there's a, you know, there's a craving for more, essentially. They, that's what, you know, they've been treated to um, those experiences. And I think fans want more of that. So I think going far in the FA Cup again, uh, going far in the Com- Europa Conference League, I think those are the focuses for the fans. It's whether that's seen um, as the same by Rogers and, and the players. So I think it tends to be with these things that the Premier League still trumps all, no matter where you are um, in the division. Even if you're a team like Leicester, where okay, they're definitely not going to be relegated, um, but also top four seems unlikely as well. So yeah, they're kind of in the no man's land bit of the Premier League at the minute. But I do think um, so. That's probably where the fans and Rogers and the players differ slightly, because I do think Rogers will still prioritise um, the, the Premier League. It's, a, it's an interesting one as well because I think what we were talking about at the start of the pod around expectations and the fact that the club were so close to finishing um, in, in the top four in, in consecutive seasons. Now that that pressure is somewhat off amongst the fans, at least in terms of not ex- necessarily expecting that to be realistic, uh, you do wonder whether the, the, those players will actually end up playing with a little bit more freedom than they necessarily had done in sort of the, both the previous seasons, um, but of course, yeah, pressure to to do well in the cup and to to bring some more fans back to uh, to Wembley will certainly be um, will certainly be there anyway. Uh, I wanted to just finally talk about about, about the game. Obviously, there's, there's been a long break with Afcon and some of the internationals that have been going on, and I thought the the previous left Liverpool game was a very strange one as well. I think you already alluded to it in terms of. Um, a lot of the things we saw from Liverpool this season, we saw none of in that game. That they were very profligate um, and uh, just unable to really create. I thought really strong chances. A couple were created, and on on another day you'd expect them to take those chances, but they didn't. Uh, unless they did defend quite resolutely, which again you've already talked about, hasn't been a hallmark of um, a hallmark of their season this time round. What are you expecting for for this game then? Because of course, players coming off and. A little bit of a long layoff here, some returning from internationals. Um, I think Liverpool are expecting Salah and Mane to be back uh, and uh, in contention for that game following AFCON. Uh, hopefully there won't be uh, um, any sort of lingering uh, emotional wounds. <laughs> Depends who's going to win that one. Someone's going to win uh, and, and, and bring the trophy back to the dressing room, I'm sure. But um, yeah, what are you expecting for that game in terms of how you think uh, Rodgers will approach it and what kind of game it will be in comparison to the the previous Leicester Liverpool games you've seen this season. Yeah, well, firstly, um, I think <laughs> I think Leicester will be disappointed it's on the Thursday because I think if it had been on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, then maybe Salah and Mane yeah. available. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a disappointment from from Leicester that uh, from Leicester's point of view on that front. Um, I, the game itself, I, it's really tricky because I think the because the two games so far in the Carabao Cup. Um, in the and in the league that was so different. Um, I mean, Leicester played a, a fairly strong team in both. They were as strong as they could uh, through injury. Obviously, Liverpool played uh, a fair few youngsters in the uh, the Carabao Cup game. Um, I, yeah, it's difficult to expect the uh, the same game that we saw at the King Power Stadium. I think because 
on another day, Liverpool will have scored one of their chances in the first half. Um, obviously, they had the, the penalty and they had a few of the good chances as well. Um, and I think when Leicester concede, Leicester then have to play differently. Uh, what I did think Leicester did very well, once they scored, once Lukman scored, I thought after that point, that, that, that was one of Leicester's best defensive periods of the season. I think all of the Liverpool chances that came after that were from set pieces. I think actually from open play, Leicester really managed to shut them down. Um, so I think the, that's, that's really promising from Leicester's point of view and they'll, they'll certainly be buoyed by that. I think they'll play with the same system they've played uh certainly that they started that game i think they played with the 4-4-2 diamond um with uh because that allows Ndidi, Tielemans, Dewsbury Hall and Madison to play actually as you mentioned Dewsbury Hall earlier and i didn't touch on him but he was i mean in that Liverpool game certainly for me he was my man of the match um i just thought he was terrific he, he's got so much energy um that kind of when you're in the midpoint of a of a diamond midfield there is so much work to get through but because of his qualities he's he's able to do that fairly comfortably and still have a real impact on the ball obviously set up the goal for Lutman as well because he'd made a run down the uh down the wing um so Leicester do have the players to make that work then they've got a choice of players up front um you know the in the two striker roles they can play uh, I would imagine one will be Daka, but they can then play Ian Astro with him and maybe have a an, have two strikers, but maybe have... And then I think you probably get Ian Astro dropping back a little bit to support Madison um, because he's probably not got the pace to play on the last man. Uh, but he's very creative and his partnership with Daka whenever they play together has been very, very good. Or you could play one of Luckman or Barnes with Daka and they've obviously got the pace. Um, but yes, they're not natural strikers, they're normally wingers, but playing in a front two, I think you can get away with that a little bit more. Uh, they, they certainly have the pace and the, the, the eye for a pass and the, the, the finishing ability to, to be effective there. So I think that's the, the way Leicester will go. I think they do need to be, I think they do need to get in front um, and force force Liverpool to, to, to come out a little bit. Uh, Maybe sit a bit deeper and and then play um, on the counter attack, but it it's so difficult because I, I th- it's the same with Manchester City really. Is um, Liverpool are just so good. Um, I know they weren't at their best in uh, in the in the previous game, but I think if they do play to their best, it it it, it doesn't really feel like Leicester can do anything that might stop them. Um, they just are. They just will be good, and they will probably win. Um, so, but I think that in terms of the setup, I think they will. I think they will go for this back four, uh, this four-four-two diamond. I think they've got a. They've had so many different defensive combinations this season. I think they will want to just stick with one for a, a few games. Like I, I worked it out after the um, James Justin made his first start. Uh, in 11 months in, in Leicester's last game against uh, Brighton. Uh, I think it was Leicester's 31st game of the season in all competitions and it they'd had 23 different defensive combinations in those 31 games. I think the, the most common defensive combination had only been used four times or something ludicrous like mm-hmm. that. So they've just not had a set of defence at all. And I think rather than, partly that's because of injuries, but partly because it's, 
Rogers has changed from a back four to a back five so often. I actually think what he's realising now is let's just we've got a back four of four good players. So it'd be Justin, Amate, Suyunchu, Thomas. Let's just stick them with the back four and let them play together a little bit, develop a little bit of solidity, um, and uh, and go from there because that's what they really need. They need a stronger defence and actually the midfield and attack. If they've got a DD in front of it, that that will help as well, which they they will have. Um, and then you can let the attacking players play as they have been, maybe give them a little bit more freedom. Um, which they will have if they've good they've got a little bit more confidence in the defensive unit behind them. So yeah. I think that's the key thing for Leicester. I think that's what I would say that I think that's the way they'll go. I think they'll play um they'll try to play how they did uh in the the home game and they'll hope to like they did in the first 60 minutes uh get away with without conceding somehow um and then if they do manage to get a goal that you know they've proven to themselves um Never mind everybody else. They're proving to themselves that they can hang on to it and, and keep Liverpool out um, if they do get in front. Yeah, no, I think one of the I think one one of the main considerations from a Liverpool perspective this season has really been around just Liverpool's ability to control games on the ball. And I think it's 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 been something that's been a little bit difficult um, with the current midfield configuration. The fact that Ginny Wijnaldum departed in the summer and there isn't really anybody who's been necessarily doing that role anywhere near as well as he was doing it um, to, to aid Fabinho but uh, you alluded to that run that Liverpool put together towards the end of last season actually and that that was really built upon the foundation of um, Fabinho and uh, Thiago so the fact that he's he's back um, according to training photos that I looked at today uh, touch wood <laughs> doesn't get uh, injured before the the uh, the Leicester game, um, but he yeah he's he's really been an invaluable addition to that midfield. So I think there'll be from a Liverpool perspective there'll be a lot more control um, on the way in which they play, a lot less vulnerable to transition than they they have been at times this season um, with with Thiago in that midfield as well. So um, I think was it also Harvey Elliott should, should be back as well. So that'll be interesting to see whether or not he's involved at all. But yeah, another player coming off a bad injury. Um, great to see him back as well because he was very exciting in the small glimpses that we that we got to see. Um, anyway, Jordan, thank you so much uh, for for all the insight on Leicester. There, I think it's yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum this season in terms of uh, as you mentioned, fans' expectations perhaps of you know, the, the club really kicking on and it not necessarily materialising in the way in which they would have expected. Um, but then also you know, keeping their powder dry in January. Are there plans for? You know, a bigger reset in the summer, more investment, and um, perhaps seeing that as an opportunity to kick on even further. So I think it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. There's already been a few interesting games between the clubs this season. Let's let's face it. So um, it's it's certainly one I'm looking forward to. So yeah, thank you very much for for coming on again and sharing your insight. No problem at all, Harry. It's uh, talking about Leicester's my favourite topic. So no, this is always <laughs> very enjoyable. And yes, I hopefully. Um, Hopefully we uh, we do get another Leicester City thriller as they've served up quite a lot uh, this season. Hopefully we get another one uh, uh, next week on Thursday. So yeah, be, um, be, I'm looking forward to it. Of course. Thank you again for, for coming on. And uh, j- just to all, all those listeners uh, here with us on Rival Recon, um, yeah, we've, we've had a small break whilst, uh, whilst the lads have been away in AFCON. Um, should come as no surprise that uh, the two main men, of course, Naby had a good tournament as well. But the two main men are all the way through to the final. So 
uh, yeah, hoping that uh, whatever happens, that the relationship is good enough that the the plane journey, which I'm sure will be maybe a shared private jet back, uh, isn't too awkward. Uh, let's see how it ends up uh, being. I'm sure to be um, a big achievement for both of them anyway. Um, and there'll be another episode of Rival Recon. Um, pretty fast turnaround, actually, given the, the fact that the Burnley game is um, on the Sunday. And then there'll be another one for the, the Norwich game that follows pretty soon afterwards as well. So lots of games thick and fast at the moment, especially with some of the ones that have been rescheduled as well. So do uh, do keep tuning into Rival Recon here uh, on Anfield um, Index Pro. And of course, you'll, you will have noticed the change in, in recent weeks in that a lot of these podcasts are now, of course, all available, um, free to listen to as well. Um, of course, there are some different models there as well if you if, if you wanted to get rid of some of the ads. Um, but uh, I hope you're enjoying um, a whole bunch of shows that maybe you wouldn't have heard before, um, uh, and yeah, really engaging with a with an array of content that's uh, that's on the channel. So um, hope you're already enjoying that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again with another episode uh, of Rival Recon um, in, in a few days ahead of that Burnley game. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.